Welcome to the Fearless Women Podcast. We're inspiring conversations for the unafraid. I'm Janice McDonald, founder of The Beacon Agency, author, and global champion for women. Why am I making this show? Because I want to share the inspiring stories of women leaders in business, arts and culture, politics, and more with all of you. Hear how they've chosen to go forward and be bold and make the world a better place, even when it wasn't easy to do. Subscribe now wherever you find podcasts. Hey, everybody, I'm Janice McDonald. Welcome to the Fearless Women Podcast. We're inspiring important conversations with the unafraid, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Thank you for tuning in from across Canada and so many other countries like New Zealand, USA, UK, Australia, and so many more places, including a ton of listeners lately from Austria. It's great to have all of you joining us. As you know, my book, Fearless, Girls with Dreams, Women with Vision, continues to inspire, and I'm so grateful for your support. Thank you again for making it a bestseller in Canada. Your support means the world to me. It's so fun when people reach out and let me know how much they love the true, authentic, and inspiring stories in the book. Tell your friends and grab a copy wherever you love to buy books. And yes, it's great to hear from you on social media. So yes, please reach out. I'm very excited to have this next guest on the show. Shining a Spotlight. Amplifying diverse voices. These are core values in our fearless community. So it's a pleasure to welcome Farah Perlmutter, co founder and CEO of Speakers Spotlight. The website is easy speakers.ca. Her company represents best selling authors, and no, we don't currently work together, as well as political leaders, entertainers, athletes, inspiring individuals. You get the idea. <laughs> They have arranged more than 30,000 speaking engagements in over 30 countries. She has lots of insights and advice to share. So welcome to the show, Farah. Thank you so much. And I have to say, I love this podcast. And I wish I had the opportunity to listen to this podcast when I was younger. I think it would have had a huge impact on me and my career. So thank you for doing this. And thank you for asking me. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on the show. So first off, how have you been managing during these unique times? Well, personally, it's been okay. So we're all healthy. I'm married and I have two kids. And so we're all healthy and we're doing well and we're all together, which is so nice. So that's a bonus. Mm -hmm. And um we're just taking it day by day. We're staying healthy. We're very, you know, careful with wearing masks when we go out and just doing everything the doctors tell us to do. So we're mm -hmm. being very vigilant. I think that's the way to do it, right? Yes. Like you got to yep. take that good advice and stay healthy. So important. That's right. That's right. So we're um, playing by the rules and we're good. trying to do everything right. Work has turned upside down. And mm -hmm. I thought we've had a crazy adventure up until now, and now it's really unbelievable. So yeah, our story continues to throw me off balance, but it's really exciting at the same time. 
Well, you mentioned your husband, Martin, and you co-founded this company in 1995. So just a Mm -hmm. little while ago, (laughs) and that was the, you know, the same year you got married, you moved, you both quit your jobs and took the big entrepreneurial leap of faith, which, you know, I too was an entrepreneur at that time. We did not have the same kind of support community that entrepreneurs have now. What were you doing before you started your companies? Do you both quit jobs? What, What were you both up to? So I, I mean, I had just graduated university a few years before and after university, I was in, um, marketing. So mostly Mm -hmm. PR marketing, advertising. Um, and my husband was practicing law for a very short time, but we started speaker spotlight. I was like 24, 25. So it's Mm -hmm. not like I had a a long career before speaker spotlight. Uh, basically I didn't know what I was doing and really neither did he, we had never been in sales or anything like this? Well, I can remember with my first graduate degree that my thesis advisor would say all the time, you know, that newbie perspective is so important, you know, these fresh eyes. So I'm sure you did all kinds of innovative things because you didn't know how it was done. (laughs) So, you know, how Mm -hmm. did you know it was going to work? Well, we had no clue and I'm so happy we were so naive. Mm. We just had lots of time and lots of energy. And um, we had no safety net, but we just, I just, it just never occurred to me that it wouldn't work. But that was Mm -hmm. like, part of my, like, why I was so naive. You know, Mm -hmm. I just, I just thought Mm -hmm. it was so much fun. And I hated Mm -hmm. my job. And he hated Mm -hmm. his job. And it just thought like, I just felt like it was sort of like the easy way out, just to do something (laughs) I I wanted to do so badly. And And what's the worst thing that can happen? Right. Well, that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just assumed it would eventually work out. And at the time we, we, we didn't have kids. We didn't have a mortgage. We, we didn't really have anything to lose, Mm -hmm. but you know, we did have to somehow pay the rent and, Mm -hmm. you know, the electricity bill. So like, that's what our goal was at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I love that. So, you know, fast forward to today, these are interesting and challenging times, not only for you, but for, you know, people in business, the landscape, as you mentioned, you know, you've already been on the roller coaster ride since 1995, but frankly, these are, you know, unprecedented times. So what advice do you have to share from your entrepreneurial journey that you think might be helpful to others as they contemplate putting one foot in front of the other and think about paying rent and electricity and so much more? Well, it's a really hard time for a lot of people. Um, For us, we've had to completely change our business around. So as you can imagine, we book speakers for live events. And as you can imagine, there are no live events. Mm -hmm. So uh, for the first two weeks after the pandemic was called, we had to cancel or postpone 500 events in the first two weeks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we... That's a lot. Like that's that's a lot. A lot. Yeah, that's a lot. And what so, would be the time frame, Farah, for that? Like, was that for like going out, uh, like to the end of the year or into the next year? Like, what was that even looking like? Uh, into the fall. Okay. Mostly so, into the fall. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Mm-hmm. In a short um, amount of time, too. Mm-hmm. So we had to quickly figure out what we were going to do next. So. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we couldn't, we didn't feel comfortable 
coming up with something new and marketing it right away because everyone was really trying to deal with this crazy new situation that was happening, very scary situation. And we didn't feel it was right to start selling something. Mm -hmm. So we just didn't feel it was... But can I ask you though, mm -hmm. I just want to ask you like, I think there's a really important point here around how quickly you and Martin were able to innovate and pivot. Can you kind of share some of that, like how you managed through the fear and, you know, that right away you were like, hey, we've got ideas and we're going to start moving, even though you didn't necessarily do it right away mm -hmm. and you paused, but nevertheless, mm -hmm. like that's, I think, really powerful. Like how, is that just how you to operate your business or, mm -hmm. you know, like share some more on that? Well, first, I have to say it's a team effort because we have a phenomenal team at Speaker Spotlight. So it's not just the two of us. Mm -hmm. And um, I always want to recognize them because they're very smart, they're very hardworking, and they're great people. Like, I love them. So they're just the best. It takes a team. So, yeah. Yes. So it's really a collaborative effort. And we had many, many meetings and um, conversations and brainstorming situations okay. with our staff. Yeah. And so it was a collective effort. In our business, we had to, we quickly recognized we had to go virtual. Mm -hmm. um, so what we started to do was um, identify, um, you know, first 10 speakers who we knew had virtual talks. And then we put together the right marketing materials for them. So our marketing team got really busy. Because not all speakers can do virtual talks. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, thousands mm -hmm. of speakers do webinars, but not all of them do excellent webinars. So we had to create new outlines for all those new virtual presentations. And then we slowly went through our, our own roster of speakers and identified the ones who were perfect for this type of medium. And then we started collecting and creating all those marketing materials. And then we started, when the time was right, we started to do um, virtual presentations, a series for our um, clients uh, around the world. And mm -hmm. so we started to do them on a variety of different topics, and they became incredibly popular. Uh, and they were free of charge for our clients. And um, then we started really building momentum. And, and now we're seeing that we've... Um, We've sold these virtual presentations, um, almost 200 by now. So yeah, we're really starting to build up the business again, but it was pretty scary there for a while. We didn't know what was going to happen. We thought, we thought, um, in-person events would come back in the fall, but obviously that's not happening. So now we have to, we had to reassess and, but that's what business is. It's constantly evolving. So you have to constantly um, come up with new plans and be very flexible, flexible and innovative, right? That's what business is all about. Yeah. And I, I love also, um, you know, you recognized at the start of this, the, the amazing team that you have. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, asking for help and, and surrounding yourself with people that are experts and then, you know, tapping into that and supporting each other is really important too. And it can be hard for entrepreneurs to ask for the help they need, or even, you know, sometimes think they have to have all the answers. So I, mm -hmm. I think you've framed this in such a powerful way that, 
people can realize, you know, you can ask who can help. It may not be, mm-hmm. maybe you don't have that on your team, but you can, you can look elsewhere. Absolutely. Well, that's been a huge thing for, I don't know if we would really be as successful as we are if we didn't have so much help. Because I mean, just think about it. We're surrounded by experts, the leading experts in the world, you know, like yes. on team building, communication, on leadership. All of our speakers speak to um, corporations worldwide. They're the experts, and we have access to them all the time. <laughs> We're so lucky, you know. Mm-hmm. But you have to ask, though, right? Like, of course. Yeah, of course. that's the thing. You, you actually have to say, like, "Hey, I may not be an expert over here, and I want to tap into you know the for brilliance sure. that's around you." Yeah, for sure. We also belong to organizations where mm-hmm. we tap into other entrepreneurs uh, expertise and support so that's mm-hmm. a big part of what we do as well yeah I think it's so so helpful to mm-hmm. have that strong network and really tap into it so let's talk about recognition so Canada's top 100 women business owners by profit magazine uh, they've recognized you for eight consecutive years, WXN, we both love. And mm-hmm. uh, you've been recognized as one of Canada's top 100 most powerful. Uh, women's Post named you as Canada's top 20 women of the year. These are some of the awards. Um, does recognition matter to you, Farah? Do you, how, how, how you know, these are impressive by... Uh, <laughs> all accounts. So, you know, what do these mean to you, if anything? I do admit, I want my parents to be proud of me mm. um, and my husband Don't we and all. my kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, I do sort of have that imposter syndrome, mm. you know, that we all know about. And, mm-hmm. and so Say I more. Like, tell us more. What do you mean? So I feel like in some ways I feel like I don't deserve it, or maybe like mm. I don't always, um, Sometimes I think, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing, even though mm-hmm. I know that I do. But I'm mm-hmm. in these like strange situations sometimes where I'm with like these super, super smart people who are mm-hmm. like leading. I'm in a lot of situations with really smart people. And I think, how did I get here? I bet a lot of your audience can relate to this. Yes. But Mm-hmm. we're in these situations and we think, how did I get here? How am I going to manage the situation? And I think to myself, well, I just have to fake my way through it. But then I realize I actually do know what I'm talking about. And I do have the confidence to get through the situation and I could hold my own. You know, I am okay. And <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I have the experience and the knowledge. So like maybe I did earn all that, all those awards, but um, I didn't hang any of them up. They're all in boxes. You didn't hang any of them up. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, why? Why, Farah? Maybe I just don't really need them, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need anyone else to see them. I feel proud of what I've accomplished. I walk through the office and I see my staff there and I see mm-hmm. all the speakers walking in and I think, I can't believe we've done this. This mm-hmm. is unbelievable. And mm-hmm. so I don't really need all of the awards to prove it to myself. Mm-hmm. I just think, wow, this is amazing. Absolutely. So take me back to your 10-year-old, Farah. What was that girl like? Where were you living? What were you into? So I grew up in Winnipeg. 
Mm-hmm. And um, my dad is a dentist. My mother's an interior designer. And I mm-hmm. have two sisters. They're both younger than me. And I was very, very creative. And um, uh, looking back, I did sort of start a lot of little businesses. Mm-hmm. But I was... I was very into reading. I wanted to be a librarian. I wasn't a good student at all. I didn't care about school, but I loved uh, dancing and um, like acting out plays and doing recitals. And I remember at one point I'd like charge my um, neighbors to come and see me dance in my basement. (laughs) So I was I mean, now my kids call me and say I'm such an extra mom, but I think I started out being like very dramatic as a kid, not, <laughs> not an introvert. <laughs> so what about a time you were fearless? Because sounds like if you can get up and it, you feel pretty good in your talents, which is why I'm surprised to hear imposter syndrome. If as a young girl, you're charging people <laughs> for your performances, but tell us yeah. about a time you were fearless any time in your life. Give us one okay. of these amazing yeah. adventures. So I never was shy. That's for sure. And early in my career, there have been like quite a few situations where, um, I'd see an opportunity and I would just jump on it. So I remember this one time, um, there was this woman named Dottie Walters and she was sort of like the matriarch of uh, the speaking industry. She was from California and she Mm -hmm. came down to Toronto to do uh, a seminar for speakers on how they can uh, market themselves. So I thought, okay, this is a great opportunity for me to go and, uh, you know, learn a couple of things. So um, during the break, I went up to her and um, I said, you know, I am going to be starting the best and biggest speakers bureau in Canada. (laughs) And I have all my paperwork and I'd love to show it to you to get some feedback. And so she's like, no problem. You can call me in California and it's $50 for 10 minutes. (laughs) And I thought, well, there is no way I have no money. So during the next break, I took all my paperwork and I followed her out of the room and I followed her into the washroom and I went into the stall next to hers and I put all my paperwork under the wall and I waited and she was trapped and she had to give me my feedback and I thought this is perfect. So I didn't even feel like I was being fearless. I thought this is an opportunity to just take a risk. But looking back now, I'm like, oh my God, what's it doing? So back (laughs) back then I had nothing to lose. So I was doing things like that all the time. Oh my gosh, Farah, that is maybe my favorite story ever. That is (laughs) so amazing. And... (laughs) It's so strange that a few moments ago you were talking about imposter syndrome because, uh, wow, I mean, this is, this is absolutely fearless. (laughs) Yes, I do have a few of those. (laughs) All right. So let's go in a different direction. So your high profile, um, even though, you know, the recognition, you don't have your, all your trophies and awards, you know, surrounding you, you nevertheless are, you know, recognizable. How do you handle criticism? What's your approach? Because, you know, as your profile increases, uh, and certainly there's a lot of keyboard courage with (laughs) social media, people feeling, you know, quite happy to say what they think, but they won't say it to you, of course, in person. But so how do you handle criticism? I think it depends on 
what the criticism is about and who it's from. So for instance, if the criticism is about my cooking, which I'm very insecure about, and I want to get better. And if the criticism is from one of our chefs, like David Rocco or Matt Basile. Um, so like, let's say I cook dinner for them, which trust me, I would never in a million years do. <laughs> and there's restaurants me- for that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like how anxiety provoking. Um, and if they give me criticism, but believe me, it would be so nice and gentle, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. feedback they give me, I would welcome it because I would want to learn from them. So I would take any feedback or criticism they gave me. Same thing in business. If we got feedback from, say, Simon Sinek or um, Chris Hadfield, mm-hmm. again, it would be so gentle, the feedback, and like in such a positive way. But mm-hmm. I would. I would want any type of feedback I get from any of our experts because I value their feedback or criticism. But if I was in some public place with my kids and we're like goofing around having fun and a stranger came up to me and criticized me for my parenting skills, my back would immediately go up and a wall would go around me and I would not appreciate that criticism. But then I think what probably would happen is Later, I would replay the words that she or he used. And I think I would probably just take a second to listen in my mind to what they said and just decide whether or not it was valid in any way and whether or not I can learn from it. So I think it really depends on what it's about and who it's from. That's helpful, I think, to to keep in mind and also to replay it and then evaluate it. Does this actually matter? Mm -hmm. Do I care? Uh, right. You know, is this even helpful? You mentioned your children and um, you and your husband, Martin, you know, started your business in 1995, as you said, before you even had children. And yet, you know, this business has been going on for decades and mm-hmm. all the while you were raising a family. What, what have you learned from that part of the, I mean, there's no such thing as balance, especially if you're an entrepreneur <laughs> raising, That's you know, and sure. a mother and, 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 but what have you learned from that journey and, and what advice would you, or at least insights would you want to share with others uh, looking outward at that possibility of the journey? Well, we just uh, celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary and our 25th anniversary in business. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You know, sometimes we say that since we work together and we're married, we should really uh, calculate this in dog years because we spend <laughs> so much time together. But yeah, it's been a really interesting journey. When we started our business, it was, as I mentioned, in the little room in our apartment, just the two of us. And we, we built it very slowly and we never borrowed any money from the bank or from our parents or from anyone. We just felt that we never wanted to go in debt and we never did. And so we slowly, which is very unique. I'm just jumping in there, It is, but it is unique for business. I mean, I will say a lot of women tend to do it that way, but it's sometimes Hmm. also because they can't actually access funding, but Uh nevertheless, uh, that's power. That's a powerful strategy. Mm -hmm. I just, um, I wanted the least amount of stress as possible. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, we just figured if we couldn't afford it, we're not going to buy it. So we slowly added staff and we slowly went from, um, office to office to office, just growing, growing, growing. 
Mm-hmm. And so now we're back at home together working uh, mm-hmm. during this COVID times. Kind of like surreal. The original days. Yes. 25 yeah, years so later. Mm-hmm. Um, good thing we still like each other. But um, <laughs> during, so at the beginning, we just worked really hard around the clock. That's how it is when you, when you're an entrepreneur, it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. That's what I tell mm-hmm. everyone because it sort of just doesn't end. But then once we had kids, um, I found it, it, I mean, it was wonderful, but for me, it was really tough to be, a, you know, the best entrepreneur I could be and the best mother I can be. I was constantly torn and it was like guilt all the time. I should be at the office. I should be with my kids. And mm-hmm. so it really took a toll on me physically, like badly, because I was just rushing around all the time. And I think um, it takes a toll on women differently. And so for me, it was ex- extraordinarily difficult. And um, so, yeah, I got very sick. And so what I would say to women and to men is that the most important thing is your health so that you can take care of others too and take care of your career. And so like, you just really have to figure out what will make you healthy in terms of eating properly, moving properly. Um, mental health is so important. So that would be my message. Figure out what will make you healthy first and then move on. How did you make that change though, Farah? Like what, like, I know you got sick, but you know, <laughs> you didn't go back and start doing the same stuff you were doing. So, you know, what, what did you do? How did you approach it? Because I think there's many people that can find themselves in that same situation. It's a really good question. Well, in my situation, I hired more people so that they can Mm -hmm. take more load off my back. And I just made the decision that I'm fine to be less successful and more healthy. Right. Which, you know, I mean, what's your definition of success then? Well, it's interesting because at the very beginning, my success was uh, if we can pay our bills, like mm-hmm. we can pay our electricity bills. Then I'm like, wow, we have made it. Then success became if I, it was about control and flexibility regarding time. So mm-hmm. if I can make it to my son's performance then I felt successful. And if I can be flexible with my time, then I felt successful. So it was never about having money, ever. Mm -hmm. But you added health into it at a certain point and said, wait, part of my definition of success is actually being healthy enough to go and do the things that I want to do, if I'm hearing you correctly. Actually, you know what? I never thought about that. Mm. But yeah, I think that's really important. I never put that into my my overall success definition, but I think mm-hmm. maybe that's the most important one. Mm-hmm. I mean it it does it does drive all the other things, right? If we're you're right. If we're not, yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, all right, what's your advice for people who said, wow, I've been listening to Farah, she's so inspiring. I like the way she works. I want to, you know, get on her roster. I'm, I've got a message. I need to take it far and wide. Um, what, what do you want to tell people to think about if they're looking to, you know, get your attention or the or, or the attention of 
of others? If, you know, like what, what, what do people need to know if they want to um, stand in the spotlight and share their perspective? This I can talk about really for quite a few hours. So I'll try to be succinct. Um, well, to get, to be represented by Speaker Spotlight, um, what we would need um, is a video. So roughly five minute, a five minute video of a speaker speaking on stage in front of a live audience and a, a biography, like a short biography, like roughly 300 words and um, a topic description. So, you know, two or three topics, roughly 300 words each. And that can be sent to representation at speakers.ca. Now we are um, sent, uh, we are reached by about um, approximately a thousand speakers a year. And out of those we'll take on maybe one. So we don't take on a lot of new speakers, but you never know. Mm-hmm. And for those who want to be speakers, there's the National Speakers Association. I always recommend them to new speakers or to speakers who have experience. You can check them out. They're an international group of speakers, association of speakers. There's also lots of different types of organizations for speakers to meet each other. And then I think that what you have to think about is why do you want to speak? And then that'll lead you down different pathways. So for instance, if you want to speak because you have a message and you want to get it out there, then you have to think about which audiences most need to hear your message. If you want to speak because you want to promote your book, then that's a different avenue to take. If you want to speak because you want to make money, then that's, those are different audiences. So you really have to think about why you want to speak and then you go from there. So is it any surprise that um, we've been listening to Farah that she uh, has arranged more than 30,000 speaking arrangements in over 30 <laughs> countries? She knows her stuff. Right? But who do you turn to for advice? I know you mentioned that, of course, you've got all of these amazing experts on your roster, but is there somebody else that we may be surprised to know you would turn to for advice? Um, you know, I think my husband and I, really rely on each other. Mm. Um, And I think that we have so many years worth of advice from our speakers. And it's funny, we keep um, mentioning these little pearls of wisdom that we've accumulated over these 25 years. And so he's seen some speakers that I haven't seen, and he'll remember certain presentations that I don't and vice versa. And so mm-hmm. we have like this wealth of knowledge between us. It's really amazing. And he's, he's definitely my rock. And I think I am his. And we really have a great partnership in life and in business, just in life overall. So mm. I would say it's him. Well, that's amazing. And 25 years of marriage and 25 years with a successful business, no small feat. So congratulations on that. So thank you, Farah. Final question. Yeah. What's your dream for Canada? And you can add in the world because you, I know you're working all over the world. So uh, <laughs> what's your dream for Canada and the world? All right. Well, that is a big question, mm-hmm. but um, I have been giving it some thought. And so for the past few years, I've, I've really been proud to be Canadian. and. 
more recently, I've really been grateful to be Canadian. I love living here and I appreciate what our country has to offer. However, I've come to understand that we have a way to go in order to truly be a great country. So there are many people here who are definitely struggling. Um, in fact, we recently did a webinar called Open Dialogue and, on Race, Equality, Justice, and Hope. And we featured a number of our speakers on a panel. And um, they included Michael Pimble Clemens and Marcy Ian. And they talked about their own struggle living in Canada. And it was really um, a learning experience for me. And I think for many of our viewers, um, many of them commented on it. And it's actually available on our website for anyone who wants to see. And uh, it opened my eyes to what's going on in Canada for many of our citizens. So my dream for Canada is that we recognize the differences among us, whether it be the color of our skin, our gender, our sexuality, our religion, etc. And we not tolerate them, but we accept and embrace them. This will be the true fabric of Canada and hopefully will be an example for the rest of the world. So that's my hope. Mm. That's beautiful. Embracing. That's, mm -hmm. that's such a beautiful word. And I agree. I'm grateful to be Canadian as well. We have more work to do. And uh, we've got an inspiring example and an important voice in Canada who also, and you've been listening to Farah Perlmutter, she's CEO of Speaker Spotlight and co-founder. She is also shining a spotlight and as you've heard so clearly amplifying diverse voices we're so grateful to have you part of our fearless community thank you so much for joining us today on the fearless women podcast thank you so much appreciate it thanks for listening we want our community to grow tell your friends follow us on instagram and sign up for our newsletter at fearlesswomenpodcast.com to get the early scoop. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors, BDC, Lockheed Martin, and Export Development Canada. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite app. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating. I'm Janice McDonald. Stay fearless. Thank you to Export Development Canada, the international risk experts, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. Supporting Canadian companies of all sizes succeed on the world stage. EDC takes your worries away and helps you grow your business with confidence. When your business has no borders, neither does your potential. Find out more at edc.ca slash women in trade. Thank you to BDC, the bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. We love smart companies that want to amplify women's voices. For more information, go to bdc.ca slash women.